Hi there. Um, I don't know what to say about the kids' team. I mean, I think they've gone absolutely uh, bonkers, but it looks like they had absolutely brilliant fun. It's so good to be with you. It's so good to be preaching live this morning. Haven't done it for a number of weeks, so I'm very, very excited about that and uh, really looking forward to as well, really looking forward to having a time where we can pray and we can invite the Holy Spirit to come um, at the end of the meeting. So I, I hope you're full of faith and uh, full of expectancy for what God wants to do. I also just want to say well done. Uh, well done for navigating through lockdown. I know there will have been ups and downs. I know each of you will have faced different challenges, but um, you've, you've done just so very, very well. And I particularly want to say well done where you've navigated through church life on lockdown. I know it's not been the best in some ways. I know sort of uh, online church on Sundays isn't, it's, it has its benefits. I guess you can sit there in your pyjamas, but it's, it's not as good as gathering with the saints and worshipping and glorifying God together. And, uh, you know, online connect groups through Zoom. I know for some of you, you really battle through different things just to get onto Zoom and to go through it. And then you see your face um, on film or whatever it is. And, and all of that's just obstacles to overcome. And I, I, I just want to say really on behalf of the elders, well done uh, for navigating through it, for keeping going. Because, because although it's not as good as being face to face, there is real benefit in it as we gather together and we do community as, as best as we can. Not perfect, but we do it um, as best as we can. This morning is going to be a standalone preach. Um, we're going to be looking at church. We're going to be looking at church, the original, uh, what it was in the beginning. And uh, I'm, I'm very, very excited about that. These are very familiar words. I, I know that many of you will have read them on frequent occurrences. You've probably heard me preaching on it. Uh, but I just feel in this season and where we're going over the coming months, I think it's good to be reminded of things that we already know really well, particularly in this area. I've got to that age now um, where I need uh, to wear reading glasses. And um, it's interesting. I can now read the Bible and I'm not guessing what it says. I can actually, I can actually see the words, which is um, absolutely brilliant. I'm not sort of straining putting the Bible at different distance from my face. But I felt prophetically, actually, it's the first time I've ever preached and used these glasses to read the Bible. Um, and I can see the words with a fresh clarity. And I believe that through this preach, you're going to see words that are familiar to many of you with a fresh um, clarity as well. So we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 2. We're going to be looking at original church. We're going to be looking at healthy church, which you know is really, really key to us. This is an exciting passage. It's full of energy. Um, it demonstrates what, what disciples do. I mean, uh, in Matthew 28, Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations. And in Acts chapter 2, that's just a few days later or uh, a number of weeks later, this is what the first disciples gave themselves to. It, it wasn't one-to-one -one discipleship, but it was 3,000 people following their teacher. It was learners, students following a teacher. It wasn't the 120 trying to put on a program that the 3,000 could access, but it was 3,000 called out of their old lives to become disciples, followers of Jesus. So there's loads in there. So let's read um, these verses together. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47. So it says this. So those who received his word were baptised, 
and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. I mean, that must have been amazing. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed, believed um, were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending in the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having faith with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Just want to spend just a, a moment praying and then we're going to dive in and we're going to look at it. We just invite you to come, Holy Spirit. These are, these are familiar words, but we invite you to come and uh, would you open up your word? I pray, Lord, would it freshly energise us? Would it convict us where, where it, it needs to, Lord God? I pray we'd get a fresh love for your church, Lord. We'd see new uh, things that, that even over the summer, Lord God, we'd be directed into new things for you. We say, Holy Spirit, come have your way. Take my prep. Take the words that I say. Make them live in our hearts and lives. We pray that in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. We're going to look at this passage um, under, four, under four words, really. We're going to look at the how they did it, we're going to look at what they did, we're going to look at where they did it, and we're going to look at why uh, they did it. Um, I think the PowerPoint's going to come up intermittently, um, in, in, just in line with what I'm saying, uh, but just do your best to follow along. We're going to kick off with the how, um, not the what, because I think the how, if I'm honest, is probably the most important part of it. What was the attitude, what were the characteristics, not just of the 120, but of the 3,000 when they were gathering together? Well, the first thing, and it's a, it's a word that stands out to me, it's an incredibly strong word, I find it very, very provoking, is it says, they were devoted. So these 3,000 responded to Peter's preaching, they, they gave their lives to following Jesus, and then they were devoted to a number of things. That means that they were determinedly um, committed to something. They were seriously, earnestly, they persisted in the four things we're going to look at in a minute. As I was thinking about it, you, you can't be devoted to a lot of things at the same time. You, you, you just can't, because devoted by nature of it means that it takes time and thought and energy. But, but, but these early disciples, they, they were devoted. If you're not certain what you're devoted to, why don't you think about where you spend your time, uh, where you spend your money. Maybe ask other people what you're devoted to because it's probably what you talk about, what you give your thinking energy to. If two things are in conflict, you can't fit them both in, what is it that you prioritise? What is it that you're devoted to? Because the early disciples were devoted to a number of things that we're going to look at in a few moments' time. The reality is you can see devotion. It's not hidden away. It's not, in some ways, it's maybe difficult to see yourself, but others will probably know what you're devoted to. My, my boys um, love football. They love watching football particularly. Two of them are Liverpool supporters. Um, they were absolutely thrilled to watch Liverpool-Chelsea this week and see Liverpool lift the trophy. Um, my boys know their teams. They, they know them inside out. They know their players. They know their formations. They know how much they're spending on salary or on... on, on um, 
buying players. They, I mean, they prioritised watching this match. I think it was on Wednesday evening and um, our youngest wanted to watch it right the way through to the end until everyone had lifted the trophy. There's a degree of devotion that comes through um, when it comes to supporting a football team. Do we see something of that devotion? But it wasn't just devotion. They also were awestruck as well. It says that the 3,000 um, had a sense of awe among them, eh? a sense of God is in this place. I wonder even now as you're watching me, as you've been worshipping, do you have a sense of awe? Not, not because of me or because of the worship, but, but because God is in this place. Because actually God is in your living room or God is in your kitchen. That, that, that if, if you're, you're coming with a faith and an expectancy and the saints are gathering, we're, we're, we're the dwelling place for God. Um, one of the commentators said about this, that, that there was this uh, stark, fearsome, stunning, awesome, shocking, present reality of God being there, there and then. I mean, it's, 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 it's more difficult, if I'm honest, online. But, but I believe that as we gather, even now, at 10.30, and we're in our households, God, God is here um, with us. It says after Peter preached the gospel, it says that they were cut to the heart. That wasn't a momentary thing, but it had a lasting impact. And it says that the apostles were doing miracles and signs and wonders frequently, I think. And you think, wow, I guess that had brought a sense of awe to it. We, we want to see more of that too, don't we? You know, it's, it's in the book of Acts, miracles, signs, wonders. Maybe, maybe some of you are going to have some words of knowledge even now as I'm preaching. What you need to do is email them in so Ali and Joe can see them. Um, and we'll read them out and we're going to be praying maybe for healing at the end. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? A fresh sense of awe about what God um, wants to bring in. But it wasn't just awe and devotion. The third thing we see about the sort of how aspect is that they had glad and generous hearts praising God. I, I, I love that. And, and that glad hearts does seem a little bit weak, but it, but it isn't actually. It was, it, it's also translated in other places, joy, delight, great joy. I mean, what an attractive group of people. They were full of awe at God. Expectation, what's he going to do? They were devoted to one another and a number of things, but they were full of joy as well. Um, how are you doing on those things? Does that reflect something of your expectation, of, of your experience of being church, of, of, of living church? Because that's what's there in the beginning. And I don't know, um, it's easy just to get into routine, isn't it? Well, I'm on another online service or I'm gathering for another Sunday meeting. Do you come with a faith expectancy? God is in this place. So what is it that they gave themselves to? Well, we see four things that they gave themselves to. The first thing was the apostles' teaching. This wasn't any old random teaching that they picked up on the internet or from any street corner. This was the apostles' teaching. They were hungry to understand the Bible. They, they, they wanted to know. What it said here, they, they poured over it to understand it. They listened to the apostles' teaching, you know, as they, they explained the Old Testament, as they explained Psalms, as they spoke about the life of Jesus and what he did and what he taught and the miracles. And there, there was a passion, there was an energy for the word of God. They were devoted to it. You know, my, my boys lo know loads about their football team. You may know loads about the car that you like or the holiday that you're going on. You may know loads about the job that you're doing. And, and those things aren't bad, but, but 
maybe you're still infants when it comes to the word of God because you've not devoted yourself to it. These are the words of life. This is, this is the primary way where God speaks to us. The Holy Spirit makes it live. It, 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 it's the sword of the Spirit. It has power to change our lives. Don't, don't be infants when it comes to the word of God. Be devoted to it. Hunger after it. Read difficult books if you have to, to try and understand it. Or watch preachers that you may need to watch a couple of times to understand them if they're just stretching your mind. Don't, don't be afraid of, of being stretched through the word of God. Um, find life there. Find God speaking to you uh, there. The, another thing they devote themselves to was fellowship. Now, that's a really Christian word, completely out of fashion. But it's, it's again, a really powerful word. It is so much more than just friendship. It wasn't that disciples were friends with each other. No, no, they, they shared fellowship with one another. There was a oneness, a sharing of life, a having in common. There was a togetherness. It starts with a shared experience of the gospel. Every single Christian comes in the same way, in, in humility and repentance, knowing I need a saviour, I need someone to save me from my sin. That, that's Jesus Christ. So we all come, rich or poor, different nations, different cultures, but we, we all come together. We have a shared experience in the gospel, but then we get to work it out in a shared life as well, in what we give as well as what we receive. I mean, the examples in this passage is a sharing of food and a sharing of possessions. They weren't keen to collect possessions. They, they shared them as in need. So I guess if you're in your connect group, there was someone that was in need. Um, maybe you share some of your possessions or you sell them in order to provide for their want. There was a deep level of commitment to one another that went far beyond just what happened in the temple courts. It went house to house, home to home as well. A lot of this passage centres around what goes on in the home. All who believed were together. They sold their possessions um, day by day in their homes. I mean, I just want to take this opportunity to say thank you so much for your incredible generosity in your everyday giving. Um, the last four months of lockdown, um, you've, you've been so, so generous. You've given We've received more from your tithes and your offerings in the last four months than we received in the four months before that when we were all together. So that means that everything that was going in the offering bucket has now come in online through PayPal or through standing orders. Um, so like I say, the last four months to the four months before, oh, thank you so much. We're so grateful for your generosity in that. But there was a, there was a deepness uh, to this fellowship Fellowship's fundamental in the church. It's the ground where healthy disciples grow. Uh, they gave themselves to breaking bread. I'm going on too long. That's a problem of live preaching. I've got no uh, stopwatch in the same way. Uh, that's fellowship around the table. Sharing life, sharing food together. Now, this could have been the Lord's Supper, what we did earlier. But, but if it was, it was definitely as part of a, a meal you know, just absolutely important. And they centred themselves around the gospel. That's what we do when we take communion. We remember his death um, and how he's taken our sins away. And challengingly, communion wasn't just once a month at the temple. Um, if anything, it looks a bit more like day by day. They centred their lives on the gospel. And they gave themselves fourthly to prayers. This is predominantly corporate prayer, prayer. Of course they were committed to personal prayer, but it was, it was corporate prayer. At different times, in different ways, in the temple courts and from house to house, they prayed. 
Now, if, if I can be honest with you, I think if I'm right here, probably about half of you, the church, don't come to corporate prayer meetings. You, it's just not part of your regular life. And there might be various reasons why you don't. It could be business, um, family commitments, it could be work, it could be you find prayer meetings boring, it could be that you find them intimidating. Now, I don't know why, why it would be. Um, it could be a mixture of all of those. We certainly don't want our prayer meetings to be boring and uh, we do the best we can to be open to the spirit and inviting him to come and to keep them fresh and stuff. But if, if you're one of those that regularly doesn't attend prayer meetings, can I ask you to prayerfully consider changing that pattern? Uh, we provide loads of different opportunities and we know some of you got really, really busy lives. So I'm not saying attending every single one, but to try and bring it into your regular uh, part of life. I just think it's really important. It's, it's part of what the disciples did. It's part of who we are as church. It is, in a sense, the powerhouse, the boiler room of what we do together. So where, where did they do church? Where were they church gathered? Um, well, reality is church was structured around larger meetings in the temple and an informal network of smaller meetings from house to house. That's what we try to do here at King's. Um, gathering together in the temple courts, gathering on Sundays is massively, massively important. It's high up there for us. It's really important um, and it reflects something of the wisdom of God. Obviously, we're not able to do that at the moment. Um, it's just not possible. I know the government have eased restrictions, but they're not eased enough for us to be able to do the things that we would want to do when we gather together. No singing, no communion, kids' work would be difficult, socially distanced, no tea or coffee at the end, and we'd need to rush you in and out as quickly as possible. And so we've decided not to jump into restarting physically. We're going to carry on uh, doing this, although I would love to be meeting up um, again. But maybe, maybe we'll make a first step of gathering together and doing some prayer meetings live. Uh, that's one of the things we're looking at, and we are going to review it again in September. But they also met in homes. And I think there is a danger that we try and move a lot of what they did in homes to um, doing it on Sunday mornings. Uh, what did they do in homes? Fellowship, breaking bread, prayers, even the apostles' teaching at times happened in the home setting. So although we're not able to meet together in our venues, in the bigger meetings, we, we can now meet together in homes, maybe not quite like we'd like to, but, but we can meet two households together. You could come together and do the Sunday service together as two households. Why not think about it? Six people can meet together outside. So although connect groups can't meet as a whole lot, two groups of six maybe could, or three groups of six could meet. I think I would really encourage you to focus on the stuff we can do, and they're things we can definitely do through the summer. So why not consider doing that while the weather is good? It's what the 3,000 did, um, and it's what church does. And lastly, we come to the why. Why did these things happen? What was it that fueled it? Well, the first thing was they were massively and mightily filled with the Holy Spirit. Beginning of Acts chapter 2, they were baptised. They were smothered in his presence that's what we're going to be praying for um, at the end of the meeting. I don't know if it's going to be Ali or Joe, but one of them's going to come and join me and we're going to pray that you're wonderfully filled with the Holy Spirit. 
But not only that, the apostles courageously taught a true gospel. They they called people to leave their old lives and to follow Jesus. It was an uncompromising gospel message. Please pray for us as elders that we would preach an uncompromising, grace-filled gospel message. And then lastly, the third thing is that they were added into the 120. The 3,000 were added into the 120 who had been with Jesus. They knew what it was like to follow Jesus and they got in their slipstream and they followed along. So as we close, this wasn't just some static pastoral hub, although pastoring is really, really important. Um, It says the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved, and that is our passion. We want loads and loads of people to come to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. And over the next 30 years, churches just like this would pop up all around the Roman Empire. I mean, reality is this is who we are. This is what's in our DNA. Now, you may be sat there like I've been uh, thinking about this. You know, what do I do? How do I respond to this? If you're anything like me, you're aware of some of the gaps between their experience and what we've just read in, or, or our experience and what they've just read in Acts. For me, particularly, that word devoted uh, has got under my skin a little bit. Um, that word fellowship has provoked me. I think you need time for fellowship. You need an opportunity to make that happen. What we're going to do right now is we're going to, uh, Paul and Ros are going to lead us in a song. And it's a song that is inviting the Holy Spirit to come. And as we sing this together, why don't you invite the Holy Spirit to come and speak to you, uh, challenge you, provoke you. You may be far too much in your comfort zone. Why not invite the Holy Spirit to come and uh, just open up his word to you and speak to you out of what's been said today. And then we're going to come back together and we're going to pray uh, for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. And we're, you know, if there's any words of knowledge come through, we're going to be sharing those as well and praying for you guys. So God bless. Let's, uh, let's worship God together.